Welcome to Bayer Crotcast with Matt Willis and Craig White, your technical field representatives in Western Australia. In this Crotcast, we'll give you a quick wrap-up of the season at hand and things to look out for, including events coming up around you and everything related to agronomy and growing healthy crops. We're passionate about agriculture and crop protection, and we look forward to having you join us on Bayer Crotcast. Welcome to Bayer Cropcast, episode six. I'm here with Matt Willis. How are you today, Matt? Yeah, good. Thanks, Whitey. Back in person this time. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's fantastic to be sitting together, mate, and uh, talking about a whole range of topics coming up on today's podcast. Yep. So uh, the seeding is looming. It's uh, now pushing into April. It's uh, coming upon us pretty quickly. Yeah, it certainly is getting really close, Matt. And um, certainly we've been updating growers as we've been getting around to meetings and advisors, uh, planning a few trials and things. But we just want to have a talk about a few things from last season. And last time you mentioned a bit about Sakura, um, some of the trial work you did in 2018, but also getting those herbicide resistance results back. So how did they go? Yeah, well, there was a, a bit of suspect activity going on at those sites there. Um, Trifluralin in, in particular was underperforming in, in, in both sites. And so as is standard when we run these field trials, we uh, collect some uh, weed seed samples at the end of the year and send them off to Peter Bitsalis uh, at Plant Science Consulting to, um, to test. Um, he, he sorts them out generally uh, early autumn uh, once the dormancy is broken and uh, we get the results around now and um, just had the results come back and it, and it confirmed our suspicions at both those sites. We had uh, uh, moderate resistance to trifluralin from the ryegrass, um, 40% and 50% survival respectively at both sites and so that, that confirms what we were seeing in the field there and, and, and it's becoming a fairly common story around the place. I was talking to a, one of the elders agronomists, Zach Rick, at, uh, at Cundenden uh, earlier on uh, last month, and he mentioned he had a couple of growers in that area who had come back with uh, fairly high levels of resistance to trifluralin as well. So well, we, we saw it based on Michelle Owen's work in 2015 with uh, up to 20% uh, of the populations randomly surveyed getting, uh, having developing resistance to trifluralin, and we're seeing more and more on that in the, every year now. Yeah, certainly. And Michelle Owen from Ari, you're talking about those random surveys mm. that she's done over a yes. whole number of years, every five-year intervals, mm. and quite interesting to see how that's developing, Matt. Yes, it's uh, her work's very, in particular very interesting because you see the results from uh, people like John Broster and Pete Bitsalis, and you, you do get a skew towards problem paddocks in that case because generally when you send off a, a resistance test, it's an area where you think you've got an issue, whereas Michelle's work is, is truly random, so it gives you a good mm. representation of what's going on in the field. Yeah, for sure. And certainly what I've noticed is the results have been coming back from the seed tests um, now has been surprising. Sometimes you assume something's resistant, but there is actually still effectiveness in that mm. test that's coming back. So that's really powerful information going into the new season crop. Yeah, it gives you an idea on whether it's, it's conditions related or uh, chemically, chemically related due to volatilisation or such or, or leaching within the soil. And uh, it's not always resistance, but uh, getting doing a res resistant test uh, gives you that definitive answer whether it is or not. Yeah, for sure. That's it. So yeah, Matt, we talked about Sakura and I suppose it's sort of we put the the uh, horse uh, after the cart in that case, but there's um, you know Roundup and glyphosate, certainly it's out in the news a lot at the moment. There's some um, court cases going on in the United States and there's information that um, is coming out of those, plenty of press releases and what have you, but just one topic certainly wanted to you know, touch on, Matt, is at Bayer, you know, has always been um, you know, very transparent and on the 28th of March, Bayer's released basically its safety studies um, 
glyphosate studies reports that were submitted to the European Food Safety Authority as part of the substance um, processes, you know, like the registration mm. processes yep. and checking and whatever. So completely available for anyone to go and uh, have a look at those studies and um, have a look there at the information. I mean, we know how important glyphosate is to us, Matt. It's, we just can't imagine, mm. um, you know, growing food without glyphosate. The, the the impact of not having it on the environment and and the way we operate, mm. you know, not when I say we, that's everyone and the food that we take for granted, perhaps, mm. would just be devastated. So it completely changed the way we uh, we farm. Uh, you think back to the, uh, the, the, the that days of full full cut tillage and and dust storms associated with it. You could uh, <laughs> you can almost visualise it occurring again if glyphosate was uh, was banned. Absolutely, and look, Bayer has a dedicated. Um, what they call a transparency program. There's some other studies on there for other uh, other herbicides and things. But um, right, to, uh, you know, on the, as I said, the 28th of March, Bayer has um, released all of these glyphosate safety study reports. So get on and have a look at those. And you know that you can get to that quite easily by going to Bayer.com forward slash glyphosate. So that's Bayer.com forward slash glyphosate and you'll find a whole range of other great information on there about this important product glyphosate or roundup and uh, it might be information that listeners out there actually want to share with their family and friends mm. and other networks that might have still a few questions about it that mm. don't understand the importance that website bayer.com forward slash glyphosate can be really useful to pass on so that they can you know actually be well informed instead of mm. you know just making an assumption that you know it isn't a good thing because you know we do take food for granted in the western world and a lot of it is uh comes down to the importance of this molecule and the great work that people do with it out there. Mm, and they say information is power and having those results and information can uh, help you if you're in a debate with someone and obviously you don't want to get too emotional over it all but just give some cool calm fact. Absolutely and look you know the, the fact is there, there's a lot of facts at that bayer.com forward slash glyphosate it's like you know can really then explain or people can read for themselves how glyphosates preserve the environment and the biodiversity you know often they think it's doing the opposite but in fact um, get the facts have a good read of it also the safety profiles and related health studies and also the most asked questions about glyphosate it just might be something uh, your friends family and your networks are interested in or even people that perhaps question what you're doing when you're out in the tractor spraying or whatever you know mm. someone might come up well here's a place to get some information so we'd urge you to go there and yeah, speaking of glyphosate, obviously uh, last episode we, uh, we chatted with Huey Trenorden from, uh, well formerly from Monsanto, now he's well and truly considered Bayer, uh, about Truflex canola and uh, it's been quite a topical uh, subject when I've been going around chatting to people and I know Huey's been going around and so have you Whitey, just uh, presenting and informing people on this new trait that's available for, for, for growers. Um, and uh, yeah, certainly a lot of interest and um, could be soon, we will be seeing some varieties this year. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. There'll be a lot of um, that to look at this year, and I think really exciting for growers to be able to, you know, have much more flexible applications mm. and things they can do with with glyphosate or Roundup mm. as the um, over-the-top herbicide to really get on top of it, and grow better amounts of food, better quality mm. food. Yeah, being able to go, obviously, that logistical challenges being able to get on there before six leaf for those two sprays, so being able to be flexible, hence the name. Um, this gives you that flexibility, um, and not only that, but the the, 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 uh, the germaplasm, the variety, the varieties of much higher background yield from what we've seen um, from some of the work done by 
by Pacific Seeds, New Seed and BASF. Um, so you better see all those varieties in uh, NVTs this year uh, before it was all ticked off globally. They had to be uh, kept separate in their own little areas, um, but now yeah, they'll be in the NVTs. You better see them up against the standard uh, old generation Roundup Ready uh, varieties. And we'll also be doing some trials ourselves uh, uh, as Bayer, just showcasing the new technology, the level of weed control, the higher tolerance to glyphosate with, from these varieties and how they can improve your system. And we're making sure they'll be across a wide geographical area and see if it's got a fit for you. Yeah, definitely, Matt. And look, uh, TrueFlex Canola with Roundup Ready technology is available this season. We talked about that on the last or episode five of Bayer CropCast. And also we touched on Decile Pro, which is that program to help people that might be a little bit hesitant, not sure how it will go in their environment, if it's going to get enough rain to be you know, viable for them or whatever. But Decile Pro is worth having a look at as well because it's a risk-sharing program. You mm. don't pay. You can opt to uh, not pay the trait fee uh, up front on that one, um, depending on the rainfall that occurs during the year. So you can offset that, uh, that risk a lot and then um, you know, pay later on in the season um, when it's a good season. And that's the ones we always want, Matt. Mm, definitely. Great. So moving on to root diseases and um, specifically even smut um, in in cereals, you wanted mm. to talk a bit about Evergold Energy and some performance, um, yeah, a few yeah, more well, issues on that, Matt. Well, we obviously did all the trial work which was spoken about in previous episodes around Evergold Energy. So it was just a reminder for right now. Well, growers growing uh, barley. Barley is very topical at the moment. It's priced very well. It's it's been yielding well over the last few years, and um, been uh, getting into areas where they haven't uh, traditionally grown barley before. And um, well, those of, those of you in uh, high barley production areas, you would have been using seed treatments as as a standard these days. We know that uh, Evergold Prime was, and Evergold Energy is the standard for loose smut control. Very important to get a good coverage of a, of a seed treatment for loose smut, because unlike your, your flag smuts and your bunts and your, and such, it's an internally born disease. Like the, the seeds that you're planting now, they're, they're already infected. It's it's uh, yep. that they were infected at flowering last year back in August September. Um, so keeping your, your machinery and, and augers and silos clean to stop contamination is not going to stop the spread of this disease. It's already it's already in the embryo of the seeds. So you need a, a good high quality seed treatment, which with good coverage, which has the ability to penetrate that seed wall to get into the embryo to, to stop that, uh, that, that to stop that infection of that loose smut. So um, yeah, certainly uh, we, we, we know that Evergold Energy is the best option out there, so certainly consider that if you're, you're growing a barley variety this year. Yeah, in addition to fantastic Rhizoctonia root protection mm. and uh, other claims that are uh, clearly available on the label, and mm. you can get in touch with Matt or I any time to talk about that. Certainly, we're very well uh, rehearsed and uh, knowledgeable when it comes to Evergo. We've had a fair bit to do with it over the last few mo- years uh, and months. A lot, and there'll be a bit more around to have a look at this year, but look, great um, uptake of that product as well, and there'll be plenty of large paddocks out there, so mm. it'll be good for growers. Any feedback, please come back to us. Um, Matt, we talked about a range of topics and, of course, all the grower meetings, mm. uh, grower group meetings, field days will start coming up again, the, the autumn ones, or well, there's already been some, but i just got something I want to ask you, Matt. Um, what do you get when a chicken oh, lays an egg <laughs> on top of, yeah, keeping on the chicken theme <laughs> from last time, what do you get when a chicken lays an egg on top of the chook house? What do you call a chicken that lays an egg on top of the chook house? What do you call such a chicken, Whitey? Yep, well, what do you get? You get an egg roll. 
Oh, no. <laughs> it's pitched roof. Well, look, you know, if you fry up some bacon to go with it, which is what happens at the field walks, mm. we end up having plenty of uh, bacon and egg rolls over the next mm. few seasons, yeah, mate. And yeah. I didn't know how they uh, got those egg rolls. But anyway, <laughs> a bit of bacon. And we'll get those when around. But one tip for you, Matt, yeah. when you're at them, just watch out for the runny egg in the roll. Okay. Because, mate, it drips down your shirt. goes on your shirt and it ruins your day. Not very professional. No, nah, that's right. <laughs> cool. So, any other topics? Oh, I've got, I've got some facts here, Whitey. Oh, I've no. got a few tricky ones here for Are you. Are these questions or direct facts? Oh, 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 they're facts that I'll, I'll, I'll deliver as a question and, and okay. we'll see how good you are. All right, first one here, Whitey. Now, ignoring the word and, what number is the first one uh, numerically to contain the letter A? It's gonna, you'll have to uh, have a quick think here. Say that again. So which, ignoring which the number, word ig- and. Ignoring, ignoring and, so say 101, ignore the and. Mm-hmm. Which, le- uh, which number is the first one numerically to contain the letter A? So obviously the, the second most common vowel in the English alphabet after E. Um, how long does it take? It's actually the, the last of all of those vowels. It's the one that appears last numerically. Which number is it? Wow. That's what you're thinking, isn't it? Well, I'll put you out of your well, misery. One thousand. It is one thousand. Well done. Well, well I had done. to think about it. I was going through, and I thought, it's far still out. One thousand before you get the letter A. Ignoring, Goodness me. Ignoring A. There you go. Yep. Far but out. Now okay. going completely different. Why? You know, Chicago in America. Why yes. is it? Why does? Why is it called the Windy City? The Windy City. Well, I'll tell you a story. I went to Wellington uh, a couple of years ago, and they call that the Windy City. But the way I drove around it looking for a hotel to stay in, my daughter said, Dad, I think this is called the Windy City. The Windy City, yeah. Not the Windy City. But no, I don't know why Chicago is. You'd think it was because it was quite windy, but it's actually incorrect. It's actually in the 19th century, journalists were calling it the Windy City because they thought it was full of windbags and people full of hot air. Oh, <laughs> another quick one for you. Oh, geez, I've got some facts this time. All right, Whitey, got another one for you. My complete my list of random facts I've got for us this episode. Which letter is not doesn't is not contained in any U.S. state's name? Oh, let me think. Z. Yeah, no, no, Z's in uh, Arizona. Oh, of course it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah. Oh, no. Nah, um, going to take me a long time. How much time have you got? No, a couple of seconds. Oh. No, nah. it's Q. Q. So your X is in New Mexico. You got right. Yeah, yeah, well, that's it. just Q. so it's Q. Q. Q is the so, only one not in any U.S. state. So. Q is just over the border in that uh, country called Canada. Canada. <laughs> Quebec. <laughs> Quebec. Yes. There you go. Very good. All right, they must have reserved it. Any mm. more, Matt? I've got one, but I'll save it for right at the end. So we've done a full circle there. We've talked about root disease management. Mm. We've talked about. Roundup and glyphosate. So just remember, there's plenty of information there. Of course, Sakura, mm. um, a few facts and trivia or whatever. But just going back to Sakura really mm. quickly, um, great resources on our sakuraherbicide.com.au website, mm. sakuraherbicide.com.au, yep. touching on a range of topics that listeners and people should be really aware of. And you just want to touch on a couple of those topics, like stubble, for example. Yeah, well, I've been doing a few presentations, particularly around that sort of uh, Geraldton region. They're, they're all cashed up after last year and they've got high weed burdens and so they're looking looking at Sakura as an option and their, their two biggest concerns right now is ameliorated soils, there's a lot of mm-hmm. uh, 
um, uh, mobile ploughing and, and spading going on there and of course that affects the structure of your soil, it affects it's creating uh, furrow fill due to that structure being compromised, it's, it's changing the dynamics of the soil in terms of clay content and organic matter and so that's affecting how uh, how products are acting and so trifluralin we know for instance that needs separation between your trifluralin and your seed um, and uh, so therefore if you're using trifluralin on a country that's been spaded and is quite sandy, you get, it gets a bit windy uh, following seeding, you'll get furrow fill and uh, you can get crop effect. Um, things like prosulfocarb, we know for a fact that it's, it's safer on barley than it is on wheat. Uh, and once again, if you're reducing the, the organic matter content in the soil, you're getting movement of that product down to the, the seed itself and, and the shoot, the shoot, having shoot uptake and uh, seeing crop effect. So the, the one that is probably safer without being invaluable has been uh, Sakura, we know from work from We've seen plenty of work in the, if you look at the GRDC pre-emergent herbicide fact book, it's got all the properties of all the herbicides on there and we know that Sakura, it's, it's moderately mobile in the soil and it, it, it binds generally to clay particles um, as opposed to organic matter. Um, so you do get a bit, you know, firefill scenario, some uh, increases in your concentration of the herbicide getting into contact with your wheat. So you do see a little bit of crop effect and biomass reduction in severe cases, but of the options out there, it is probably one of the safest ones. And so we had a good discussion around that with a few groups and there's no real clear cut answer for it. It's about picking the, the best option for your scenario, depending on your soil type and, um, and, and what's going on in your farm. But yeah, certainly have a, a chat to your agronomist who knows your, your patch best and um, they'll be able to steer you in the right direction. And the, and the securaherbicide.com.au areas, I personally was involved with a lot of that material there back mm. in when we launched and been updating, but that might just um, prompt you on a few questions for mm. your advisor. So um, get on there and have a good look because it touches on a lot of these issues about rainfall effects, stubble effects, mm. you know, clottiness or whatever, mm. um, just how to get the best out of the product because yeah. that's what you want. And remember... When you um, apply Sakura, you you know you want a good return on investment, a really good return on investment for that. And every you know for every ten dollars spent on Sakura, um, a dollar of that's going back into research and development at Bayer. So mm. there's, a, there's a fair bit there, but we want you to get the most out of it, and we invest a lot to help you with that information. Mm. And the only other thing I already was beginning a lot of queries about is given there was such uh, quite a few high biomass crops last year. Um, so you're thinking if you crops that are three ton plus in for instance, mm -hmm. you're going to be getting a stubble burden of over four ton of stubble and um, you're thinking you're getting a, a high stubble burdens, you're getting high stubble ground cover say up to 60%, so meaning you're getting interception of sort of 30 to 40% of your herbicide and uh, that, that herbicide uh, coming into contact with the, the stubble, um, most herbicides, pretty much all stubbles will bind to that um, the herbicides will bind to that stubble uh, at the moment you've sprayed it out and you need uh, for it to be washed off to get down to the ground where it's required and certain herbicides have uh, different absorption coefficients, uh, how, well, how tightly they bind to herbicide and there's some great work done by Yazine Khalil um, looking at the amount of rainfall required to wash a herbicide off stubble and um, particularly combining, uh, comparing trifluralin, which we know t binds very tightly to herbicides. And it was found that if there was uh, no rainfall within uh, two to three days, you were lo losing up to 50% of your, your, your active. It wasn't gonna come off no matter how much rain you got on that, on that stubble. Uh, Prosulfocarb was slightly better, but still you were acquiring rainfall pretty quickly. And um, to uh, get some of that active back, yet with uh, Sakura, they found a single five mil rainfall event washed all of that active off the well, enough that uh, no ryegrass survived. Mm -hmm. um, so the, just showing that the Sakura with that lower absorption coefficient with the organic matter uh, is able to be washed off much, much quicker. So something to consider if you've got some high uh, stubble burdens and you're unable to manage that through burning and such.
Yep. And again, good information at securaherbicide.com.au. So mm. get on there, have a good look at it, and um, yeah, understand your situation and ask questions. We're always available, and Matt, people can get in touch with us. Oh, and then, then before we say that, I've got my last fact here. Oh. You, you might actually know the answer to this one. You know, hashtag, which, which we use to introduce our Twitter, hand, Twitter handles. What's the official name for a hashtag? It's an Octothorpe. Think of it, the way you can remember it is there's eight, eight points on, an, on a hash. Yes. That's where the octo comes from. The thorpe comp- component, no one really knows why it's, where the thorpe comes from, but it's called an octothorpe. Look, great information. Fantastic to catch up with you today and touch on a range of topics. As we always say, we're open. Please get in touch to telling us you know, what you would like to hear about, mm. anything at all. Um, you can get in touch with Matt or I. Probably the best way is on Twitter, mm. but at the end of the CropCast, there's some phone numbers and the website as well. You know, We can get we're here. People can get in touch with us. What's your Twitter handle, Matt? It's uh, at Matt Willis Ag. So at Matt, Matt Willis Ag. And mine is at Photo by CW, at Photo by CW. Mm. And we'd love to hear from you. Looking forward to it. Good day. All right. Well, thanks, Matt. That's all we've got time for today. And we'll be back again soon with other topics. And again, please let us know if there are topics you'd like us to talk about. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you on the next episode of Bayer Cropcast. Certainly. Good chatting with you, Whitey. See you all later. You too. See you, Matt. Thanks for joining us on Bayer Cropcast. To get more information about anything you heard on today's episode, phone 1800 804 479 to get in touch with us or visit the web at crop.bayer.com.au. Thanks for listening.